Welcome once more to Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here. If you're joining us by audio or video podcast, we love you. Thank you for making the effort to find us. You, you honor us with your, with your presence. Cafe folks, love you so much. Caleb Hodges, the deacons in there this morning leading worship. Uh, thank you. Uh, we love you guys so much. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. One verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's a verse I've heard all of my life. It's a verse I memorized in college. Uh, it's one of those gospel verses. It, it, it says it all. I mean, it really is all here if you understand. But because it's familiar to some of us, because it's the kind of language that we've used so often, uh, many of us have long since stopped trying to think about what it means. However, uh, as simple as the gospel is, you can and should spend your whole life going deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And this is one of those verses, one of those concepts that we really need to make sure that we uh, don't stop listening to it. Because in this verse is our very life. This is all that matters. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I memorized it in the old King James, which says something like this. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Okay, listen again. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me I've been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live strange and, and mysterious words I guess our son was probably two years old we lived in the parsonage the house next door so Wade was two or three and we got him his very very first pet uh, I don't know what you consider a good first pet we got a fish um, just a fish at Walmart. We didn't really think this through. It was one of those things where Wade said, I want a fish. We thought, okay, fish. So we bought a fish at Walmart. It was one of those little black, it's not a goldfish because it was black, but one of those black fish with the giant bulging eyes, you know, which is awesome. And we named the fish Midnight. So Midnight lived in a bowl in our kitchen right there on the counter. And uh, it wasn't quite like having a dog or an actual pet, but Midnight was a good first pet. Uh, as you know, the thing about pets is we can love them forever, but they don't live forever. And that's especially true for fish. So again, my son was young. We loved midnight. Every single time you walked in the house, greeting midnight was, was, was uh, the best thing to do. So I walked over, looked at midnight, and sure enough, that fish is belly up in the bowl. We didn't even had the fish that long, but the fish was turned upside down, just, you know, you know, floating. So I thought, shoot, you know, now I have to explain death to my son. So uh, I prayed, I did for words and wisdom, because again, it's a big deal. My son is two, three years old, and, and this is his very first experience with death. And, and I'm the dad and the pastor. So I've got to somehow find a way to officiate this fish funeral. So so I called Wade over. I said, Wade, come here. So Wade comes in the kitchen. I mean, I can hardly choke back tears. And it's like, man, I just hate this. And again, midnight's just you know, belly up in a bowl. 
I said, Wade, um, Midnight's died. He looked at the fish for a long time and said, Midnight's dead? I said, yeah, Midnight's dead. Midnight's dead. That means Midnight, you know, can't swim anymore. Midnight uh, can't, you know, know us anymore. Midnight's, midnight's dead. Dead. Wade said, Midnight's dead. Midnight's looking at me. I said, no, no, Wade. Midnight's not looking at you because Midnight's dead. Her eyes don't work anymore. She can't think anymore. And as I was talking, I looked, and Midnight was looking at me. So I said, okay, wait, back up just a minute, son. Midnight's looking at me, too. Uh, okay, and, and sure, Midnight's, you know, still like this, but, you know, those big eyes are like, like looking around. So I'm thinking, okay, okay, it's mostly dead, but not quite dead. So I said, wait, I have to wait this thing out. Midnight is, is, is dying, dying, but we'll have to see. So the thing is, I can't explain this. It's, you know, Midnight, the miracle fish. Midnight the next morning is just you know in the bowl just happy. I mean midnight resurrected <laughs> So a- anyway, I'm trying to teach my son these important lessons about life and death But midnight was was quite a confusing element in this lesson b- because midnight started doing this like regularly Midnight would die, you know float up to the top I mean and I mean midnight would go pale like the blackfish would turn gray and you would think okay This is it. This is totally it and then about the time you're about to flood and Dispose, you know, bury, <laughs> bury the fish. You know, all of a sudden, midnight comes back, resurrects. So it got so regular that Wade would just walk through the kitchen and go, "Midnight's dead again," you know, because because you know, you know, it just looked dead. Um, by the time that fish finally just did die, you know, we didn't care anymore. I mean, we had that funeral so many times. But the whole idea of, of death and life brings us to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is the language that Paul uses. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul's talking about life and, and death here. And of all things, of all things, Paul is declaring that the death of a man some 2,000 years ago, the, the death of Jesus Christ, and a historical figure, you, you can't dispute that, a historical figure who was executed on a cross by the Roman Empire, you can't dispute that, that's, that's historical fact. But, but, but beyond historical fact, what Paul is claiming is that the death of this man in the Roman Empire some 2,000 years ago, that affects me. It affects you. I mean, people dying all the time, and, and sometimes if you know them, you will grieve. But, you know, as the saying goes, life goes on. Their death doesn't really affect us. But, and this is the gospel. And this is the, the mystery and the miracle of the gospel, that the death of Jesus somehow makes a difference to, to me. Now, what you have to understand is that the death of Jesus is never going to mean a thing to you until you realize that he died for you. It's never going to mean anything to you until you really understand that his death was for you. I would go on to say that Jesus died your death so that you could live his life. But even then, it sounds like I'm using religious cliches. That sounds like something you could put to music and, and sing in church. And I'm not speaking in cliches here. We're trying to speak of mystery. We're trying to speak of the gospel. I'm, I'm trying to tell you what is the very hope of your life. 
that Jesus' death was not just an isolated, random death in, in history. And it isn't just that it happened 2,000 years ago and now we remember it. No, you have to understand that that death somehow involved you. Jesus' death was in your place. He died your death. And I know it's very, very difficult to understand. It's hard to fathom. Maybe that's why we don't think about it, because we don't always know what to think about it. But, but Paul says very simply, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I have died with Christ, and now I live with Christ. This is the gospel. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, this is the way that you've learned to think of your life, the way you've learned to frame your life. The man that I used to be is dead. I've been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. Even so, I live now. What in the world does that mean? I've died, and now Christ, I mean, of all things, Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body is actually Christ. The Son of God living in me. That's a bold claim. It's an incredible proclamation. I'm dead and now my body is inhabited by the Spirit of Jesus Christ himself. The life I live is actually his living through me. That's amazing. Now, how in the world would you know that? How could you you possibly know if that's happened to you? Because some of you sitting here are believers, you're Christians, but when you really start thinking... It's hard to say that that that's real for you, that that you died with Christ. How would you know? Because even Paul says, nevertheless, I live. I mean, I I died, but I live, but it's not me who's alive. It's Jesus alive in me. What does that even mean? And how would I know? Well, it takes me back to midnight, the miracle fish. The difficulty with midnight was we never could really figure out if that crazy fish was dead or alive. The fish would float up, you know, belly up and and play dead and then start swimming the next morning. I mean, it was infuriating. Sometimes it is hard to tell. One of my my favorite Warren Wheat stories is when, Warren, you had the surgery. You don't remember. But you were coming out of anesthesia, and they came and got Margie. And so, are you Mrs. Weeks? She said, yes, I am. They said, you need to come with us. Now, that's scary. That's always scary. You need to come with us. So they're turning back, and Margie said, is something wrong? Is there a problem? They said, well, no, the surgery went well, and we feel like your husband is waking up, but he doesn't look right. Margie said, what's he look like? He said, well, he's very pale. He's very pale, and, and, and he, he, he just doesn't look, he doesn't look right. Margie said, oh, <laughs> that's just how he looks. Sure enough, that's just, you know, Warren. That's just how he looks, y'all. He was, he was. How would you know if you're dead or alive? Spiritually speaking, how would you know? Is there any way to know? Well, you know, if, if you're talking to a medical doctor or perhaps a coroner, there really are ways to know if a body is dead or alive. Most of you are aware of this sort of thing. It, it's really not a, a brilliant sort of science here. There are just certain ways. If you really want to know if something is alive or dead, what do you do? You poke it. <laughs> poke it. Poke it or shake it. You know, Warren, Warren, are you there? Warren, wake up. Talk to me. Smack, smack, smack. Warren, Warren. You know, I mean, that's what you do. Because honestly, if if something is alive, if a thing or a person is alive, then it responds to stimulus. It responds to, to, to stimulus. 
And, and that actually is, is the test. It responds to, to stimulus. So if, if you poke it, if you shake it, if you call its name, it, it will respond. Living things respond to stimulus. Dead things cease to respond. Okay, so are you with me? So living things respond to, to stimulus. So Paul makes this amazing claim. I've been crucified with Christ. What Paul is saying is spiritually, I have died. The New Living Translation says it's this way. My old self has been crucified with Christ. So when Christ died on the cross, that death was in my place. That death was for me. Spiritually speaking, something happened at the cross that involves me. And in Paul's words here, it has to do with my old self. It has to do with my sin. Now, sin, of course, is everything that's broken in me, everything that is empty in me, all the darkness in me. And it is my sin that separates me from God. It is my sin that makes it impossible for me to know God, to enjoy his fellowship, to be called a member of his family. Sin separates. And the scriptures say the wages of sin is Death, always death. Sin brings death. So born in sin and living in sin, there must be a death in order for us to be freed from sin. But God himself loved us so much, this is the gospel, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, you understand? So that we can be saved, so that everyone who believes shall not die, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In, in the case of sin, there must be death. But God was not willing that you and I should die. This is the amazing thing. He loves us. He loves us. We're not, we're not necessarily valuable because we're good. We're valuable because we are loved. God loves us and was not willing that any of us should perish. So God loved us and sent his son. It's the first verse I learned in Sunday school. There was this death. It's the death of Jesus. God in the flesh died in my place. He died for my sins. And so that means now I have this tremendous opportunity that if I will allow my sins to be laid upon him, if I will recognize that his death was in my place, if I will believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died and that he rose again, if I believe that, then I can be saved. And salvation is not just about, you know, having your name on a church roll. It's not just about becoming a person who goes to church. It's not even about being a better kind of person. We're not necessarily better kinds of people. I've seen you all driving out of the parking lot on Sunday. You know, I mean, honestly, some of us, there are still parts of us that are very, very unredeemed. However... I may not be what, what, what Christ wants me to be completely, but I'm not what I used to be. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I lived. So what this means is it is Christ who now lives in me. My sin, the old person, I've died with Christ. I mean, I, I have laid that man down. He is dead. And now the, the life I live is Christ. I live for Christ. Christ lives in me. This is what Paul said. So if I am dead to sin, dead to the old self, and alive to Christ, then, then you could test that by my response to stimuli, right? So if, if, if Christ is my life, that means I respond to Christ. I'm living for him now. He is my life. And if you want to test that, then poke me, then shake me, then understand I'm going to respond spiritually. Spiritually alive people respond to spiritual things, to spiritual stimuli. This is what the scriptures say. 
The life I live now, I live in, in, in Christ, Christ who lives through me. That means when Christ speaks, I hear him. If he calls my name, I open my eyes, I respond. If Christ lays his hand upon me, I can sense his presence, his power. I know him. I, I walk with him. It is Christ who lives in me. It is his spirit who is the breath in my lungs. It is his blood that courses through my veins. The life that I live now, I live because of Christ. I respond to him. I see a lot of people who go to church that, that, that what I'm saying would just be, I, I might as well be speaking a foreign language. Because even though you go to church, you're still spiritually dead. What I'm describing, what Paul is describing here has not yet happened to you. It's not something you've experienced. And this is what I'm saying. This is the gospel. There is this incredible exchange, this transformation. And, and, and we use the strongest possible language for it. It's like death and life. It's that kind of difference. So very honestly, if, if the life you live is Christ living in you, then you will be drawn to the things that invigorate his life in you. You'll be drawn to the things that, that continue to make you feel alive in him. You'll be drawn to his presence. You'll be drawn into worship. You'll be drawn to things like prayer and, and reading his word. This is not a dead book. It's a living book when you have Christ living in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You respond to his stimulus. You respond to his life, and you will be drawn to the things that continue to invigorate that life. It's probably a bad sign for you if, if as a believer, you're not really very interested in Christ. That's probably a bad sign. If Sunday after Sunday, you can sit through a sermon and never, ever feel your heart move. I mean, if your heart never moves toward the things of Christ, if the only time you pray is when the preacher says, let's all bow our heads. I mean, honestly, if you have no actual spiritual life, then let's consider the reality that you may be spiritually dead. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I died, but, but I am, I'm living now because Christ lives in me. It's a spiritual life. It's an incredibly powerful spiritual life. But again, I, I remind you, if that's not happened to you, spiritually dead people are drawn to things that kill the spirit. Sin leads to death. And sin has a way of moving itself toward things that bring death. As I say, the spiritually alive person responds to spiritual things, but the spiritually dead person continues to be drawn to the things that bring death. Now, all of us have lived this story, so I think you know something of what I'm saying. Because even though Paul says, my old self is crucified, I say the same thing, my old self is crucified, but man, sometimes that dead man just won't go away. Kind of like midnight, he floats to the top on some good days, but then other days, man, he is swimming with all of his strength in, in, inside of me. I mean, I struggle, and you're going to struggle too. This is the reality of the Christian life. That, 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 that old man continues to plague me. It's, it's like the worst episode of The Walking Dead. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. I've died to sin, but the sin just continues to come back and I have to kill it back. And sometimes I do this every day. And that's what Paul says. I, I do this daily. It's not really just a, a one-time thing. You walk the aisle, you, you, you get baptized, and then you never have to deal with this again. This is a daily way of life, dying and, and coming back to life in Christ. But, but the spiritually dead part of you, the spiritually dead person, is always going to be drawn back to the things that kill the spirit. 
And the problem is, you're not very good sometimes at actually identifying things that kill the spirit. I'm not either. Because we're talking about sin here. And the thing about sin is that it is often a lot of fun. You almost said amen, Willie Ray. We're right there. <laughs> Let's all agree. Sin can be fun. And sin can be very, very pleasurable. And sometimes your appetite for sin, sometimes that drawing of yourself to sin is more powerful than you can possibly resist. It's very, very difficult to die to sin. It's really, really difficult to lay yourself down on the cross with Christ. But this is what it entails. Something like death where you have to be finished with your sin. Something like death, where you are finished responding to the things that are only going to kill the spirits. It's difficult. And temptation is difficult. But it's not difficult for a dead man. You understand? There has never been a dead person log on to a computer and look at pornography. It's never happened. There's never been an actual dead person who committed adultery. It just doesn't happen. You can't tempt a dead person to sin. A dead person's never told a lie. A dead person's never cut that tag off of the mattress. I mean, a dead person has never done anything like that. Dead people just don't respond to temptation. Which is why this kind of death is exactly what has to happen to you and me. That part of me that continues to be drawn to the things that, that destroy my soul, that part of me has to be put to death. I have to die to all of the things that tempt me. I have to die to all of the thoughts that would lead me astray. I have to be crucified with Christ. And the only parts of me, do you understand? The only parts of me that I crucify with Christ are the ones that can be raised back to life with him. If it's going to live, you have to put it to death. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. In, in reality, it, it's, it's, it's messy and complicated. I gave my heart to Christ when I was six years old. I'm 52 now, so you do the math. I can't, uh, whatever, 40-something years. But I, I, I still am experiencing this. There are things in, in my life, there are parts of my soul that I still struggle to put to death. I mean, I, I think that I've crucified them, but then I, I myself go back and resuscitate them. I, I you know, bring them back. Because honestly, I love my sin, and, and you love your sin. There's this incredible draw, but it is the gospel that sets me free. It is the gospel that sets me free from all of the things that would destroy me, not just in this life, but, but in, in the life to come. It is the gospel. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that gives me hope, that, that allows me to be a, a new person. There are things in my life that, that are dying, that are passing away. And there are things in my life that Jesus himself is bringing into, into existence, things that Jesus is bringing to life within me. Here's, here's the thing. In your spiritual life, making the distinction between what has to do with, with spiritual death and what has to do with life, this is the most important thing for you. 
You've got to know the difference between the things that lead to death and the things that lead to life in, in Christ. And you have to do more of the things. You have to live toward the things that continue to invigorate your life in Christ. And you have to die. You have to stop. You have to quit. You have to turn away from all of the things that have to do with sin and spiritual death. Is this making sense? But for the most part, we never stop and think that through. We don't really stop and connect the dots that, that, that your horrible sins of the tongue, the way you gossip and, and, and cuss and, and the way you lie, the way you just use your mouth to speak all kinds of, of, of curses and, and filth, you never stop to understand how that, that habit with your tongue uh, draws a straight line back to, the, to the, the, the darkness, to the hatred, to the bitterness, to the sin that's in your heart. Out of the abundance of, of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, you don't connect those dots. You don't understand how your habits continue only to destroy your own soul. Now, sometimes, you know, some of us have struggled with addictions, whether it's, whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or pornography or any other thing you can name. And, and honestly, at, at the time that, that, that we're indulging ourselves, it can be very, very pleasurable. But, but, but then sometimes we understand that what we're doing kills us. What we're doing is, is destroying our soul. But, but we never, ever really make the effort. We never, ever really get serious enough to put that side of us, put that part of us to death. Do you not understand that there are things that you do, things Things that you think, things that you indulge that absolutely kill your soul. It's sin. And it's why Jesus takes sin so seriously because sin leads to death. You and I just don't take it so seriously. It's life and death. So in your own life, learning to make that distinction, learning to discern the habits, the thoughts, the things in you that actually lead to spiritual death, you have to identify those things and you have to die to those things. You have to turn from those things and you have to then begin to walk toward all of the things that bring life in Christ. His presence, his grace, his power, his love. You must learn to walk with him every the gospel I know you've heard it all of your lives I, I have too but still to somehow understand how the death of Jesus 2,000 years ago is the answer to everything broken in me to understand that in, in his death and resurrection is the answer to all of my questions about life and death and what makes life worth living it's all found in the verse where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Last two words. Maybe the most important words in the gospel. It'll never mean anything to you until you understand that it's for you. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. My friend, he died for you. So that you might be able to live through him. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. 
to say thank you sounds so incredibly weak. What you have done for us is beyond words. At the table today, Lord, we, we try to act it out. Your death for us, your shedding of blood for us, Lord, we, we take that into ourselves as a way of trying to picture that, that it is your death and your life which rewrites the story of our lives, Lord. We, we act it out at the table and then we open the word and we try to put words around it, Lord, but words fail. What you have done for us is beyond words, beyond understanding in so many ways, and yet so simple. Jesus, you have died for us, and you require that we identify with you in this death, that, that we lay ourselves down on the cross with you. We die a, a death, Lord, with you so that we might then live our lives with you. Lord, I pray that all of us who, who claim this reality in our lives, Lord, will begin to live lives that reflect the spiritual reality of you living in us, Lord. Forgive us for uh, uh, inviting you into our hearts and then continuing to live as spiritually dead people. Lord, forgive us for coming before you and, and, and praising you for the shedding of your blood and then returning to our sin as if your cross makes no difference. Jesus, we come to you today and in a new and fresh way, Lord, we lay ourselves down on the cross with you, Lord. I pray that we can be crucified with you, that every single part of us, Lord, can be crucified with you, can be put to death with you, so that every single part of us can be raised to life and victory with you. Lord, help us to live this life in the flesh by faith in you, O Jesus, who has loved us and given yourself up for us. O oh Christ, who has given himself for us, Lord, may we now give ourselves to you, dying with you, that we might understand the mystery and power of living with you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.